Wednesday, February 14, 2018. This is Born to Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. Hope everybody is enjoying their Valentine's Day. This week on the podcast, we have Air Force veteran Michael Haney, who is the vice chancellor up at Syracuse University and the director of the Institute for Veterans and Military Families. Before we get into that interview, I want to give you a heads up on an event that's happening tomorrow. There will be a Facebook Live event going on tomorrow, February 15, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that will talk about the Forever GI Bill and, most importantly, the significant changes that it brings to VA education benefits. Now, the Facebook Live will will take place on the National Military Family Association Facebook page. You can find that at facebook.com slash military family. That's facebook.com slash military family, all one word, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, talking about the Forever GI Bill and its impact on VA's education benefits. I highly recommend tuning into this. It'll be informative. And and for anybody who is looking to use their education benefits, it is you will definitely want to know how the Forever GI Bill impacts your benefits. All right, on to our interview with Michael Haney, Vice Chancellor, Strategic Initiatives and Innovation at Syracuse University, Executive Director for the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, which is at Syracuse University. He's also a professor of entrepreneurship. Him and I are going to talk about his service in the Air Force. We're going to talk about uh, the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, or IVMF, as we we like to refer to it. Veteran Entrepreneurship veterans in higher education, and much, much more. Enjoy. I served in Vietnam. I served in World War II. I served in Afghanistan. And VA serves us all. No matter when you served. No matter if you saw combat or not. There are benefits for veterans of every generation. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. I'll, I'll follow your lead. All right, perfect. Well, hey, that's that's the that's the way to do it. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, so Mike Caney, Air Force veteran, uh, you are the uh, – there's actually a handful of links that have you have uh, different um, titles, but vi- Vice Chancellor for Strategic Initiatives? Um, yeah, so I'm, yeah, so I'm the Vice Chancellor here at Syracuse University, and I'm also the director. At the same time, I'm also the director of, of SU's Institute for Veterans and Military Families. Right, IVMF as we uh, officially yep. know it here in the veteran space. Yep. Um, Mike, we start every interview with the same question because as veterans, there's one thing that we all have in common, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Brings back to that decision for you. Yeah, so for me, this was uh, my freshman year in college. Uh, so that would have been uh, 1988. And I think I was, um, you know, at that point trying to figure out what my future would hold, and I was looking for something um, that would that would allow me to serve and, and be connected to you know, maybe something bigger than myself. So one day I walked into the Air Force ROTC detachment there at the University of Delaware, um, had a few conversations, and, you know, a, a month later I was signing a contract. And and what, so what, um, what occupations do you have in the Air Force? 
So I was, uh, you know, essentially a logistician. I, you know, uh, was an acquisition officer, uh, contracting officer. Um, but then I also had a an, an odd Air Force career in that uh, as a young captain, I I took an assignment as a, an aide de camp to one of the Air Force four stars, and uh, you know, did that for uh, about a year and a half, and then. Um, ended up at the Air Force Academy as a as a, a faculty member. So um, I had a I had an Air Force career that afforded me a lot of different opportunities. Very cool. Tell me tell me about a close friend or a great leader that you had while you were in the military. And you can pick either one of those. But, but uh, tell me about that person. So uh, you know, I'd probably um, I'd probably describe the Air Force four star that I worked for at the time. His name was George Babbitt. He was the Commander of Air Force Materiel Command, and and I, you know, I guess I would select him because he he changed the course of my career. And what I mean by that is, you know, today I ended up going off and getting a PhD in entrepreneurship and innovation, and I really got excited about entrepreneurship, believe it or not, while I was in the military, and, and specifically while I was working for General Babbitt. He he was in command of you know, what I, the largest, the Air Force's largest command and really the business of the Air Force. And I, I saw the power of, of applying entrepreneurial ideas, even inside a bureaucracy, um, as a, as a means to, to change culture and, and change the status quo for the better. And, and it was that experience that motivated me to go off and study entrepreneurship and, and then, you know, ultimately become a professor of entrepreneurship. Very cool. Entrepreneurship, um, a important and uh, maybe popular is the word I'm looking for in the veteran community, something that a lot of veterans uh, consider, but nowhere near the numbers that we saw when veterans were returning from World War II. Um, what, what have you seen in the veteran entrepreneur space that has um, both uh, so both sides on what has attracted veterans to entrepreneurship and what do you think is whole is is turning them away? So uh, your 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 point is well taken. Uh, you know, if you look after World War II, you know, I think there's been some research that's been done that suggests within a decade of World War II, almost 50 percent of those who have served uh, went out and and became business owners. You know, we don't see uh, a push to business ownership at that at that rate um, relative to this generation of veterans. That said. Um, veterans are still over-indexed to entrepreneurship. If you look at, um, you know, veterans as a population, um, five to six percent of the of the population, but represent about you know fourteen to fifteen percent of all business owners in this country. I think the challenges today are are different relative to relative to business ownership. Access to capital is hard, and uh, you know when when we look at you know, having now run uh, business ownership programs for veterans for more than a decade, you know, I can say throughout that period, when asked about, you know, what are the, the, the most significant challenges you face, access to capital is is always at the top of the list. But I think there are also some, um, you know, there's some other challenges. Business ownership um, is different from going out and and getting a job, if you will, um, because the 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 consequences of of a failure are higher. It, you know, if you don't if you take a job and you don't like that job, um, you quit and you find another job. 
or as business ownership, there is a, you know, a significant um, personal and, and, and personal financial investment um, that, you know, has consequences for not only the veteran, but the family. And, um, you know, so I think as we transition folks out of the military, we're actually doing a better job of helping than we were, you know, even 10 years ago, helping them see um, and and make informed decisions about business ownership. So um, while the numbers might be um, might be lower, you know, in scale relative to that post World War II period, I, I do believe that um, we are in a position to help. The, tra- the veteran, the transitioning service member, be an informed consumer about what it means to be a business owner and therefore, um, you know, hopefully create higher, v- successful business owners in, in higher numbers. Uh, yeah. Um, well, how do you think, and just to continue this, we'll get, we'll, we'll get back to your service in a second, but to continue on, the, on this, how do you think access to higher education has, has impacted that, where veterans have the better opportunity of getting educated and then get the good-paying job versus you know, going the route of, of business? Has, has that affected it at all, you think? I think that's part of it. But again, if you look in that post-World War II period, the post-World War GI Bill was the most generous educational benefit um, that had had ever been available to veterans. And they went to to colleges and universities in in large numbers. I think um, that opportunity is available to to veterans today. I, I would argue, I'll be a critic of my own of my own industry, if you will, I would argue traditional higher education has a long way to go with regard to truly making itself accessible to this generation of veterans. I, um, you know, I, I, I think we could do as a, as a community, and I'm talking about higher education, a much better job um, creating pathways into um, this country's best colleges and universities for our veterans. That said, um, you know, now I'll, I'll sound uh, a little bit like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm also somebody who doesn't necessarily believe you need a bunch of fancy degrees to go off and be successful as an sure. entrepreneur. Um, I, I do think that um, the military, even if it's not intuitive, the military prepares um, men and women for entrepreneurship in ways that uh, I really are, I think, are unique to the military experience. There is a, there's a classic definition of entrepreneurship that, that says entrepreneurship is the pursuit of opportunity in the face of inherently constrained resources. And, you know, I, I share that with a, a veteran and ask them to reflect back on, you know, their, their military experience. And, um, you know, you can almost see a light bulb. You know, that's what I did in the military. You know, I, 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 was given a, I was given a mission. I was given a goal. I was given an objective. And um, I had to figure out or my team had to figure out how to, how to make it real, how to accomplish it, often without the resources that, that I needed to do the job. And I think that's why when you look at those who, who have served in the military that pursue business ownership, um, you know, another fact about this generation of veterans is, um, they are succeeding in entrepreneurs at, at higher rates than those who have not served in the military. That's 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 um that's a good metric. I like that. The uh, you mentioned the the education benefits of World War II veterans were get, getting. I think you're, uh, I believe that was the Servicemen's Readjustment Act 
uh, if yep, I remember right. It that was, was. Yeah. It was. Yep. Uh, signed into law in 1944. Yep. Um, so going going back to your service briefly, you know, the name of the program is Born the Battle. And we, not, we know not every veteran has seen literal combat, but um, we all face some sort of sacrifice or challenge, at least, um, in inside of our service. Um, do you have an experience like that that you can reflect on and, and share with us and how you just dealt with that adversity? Yeah. You know, when I, I got out in 2006 and I um, I made the, ter- the transition directly from, um, you know, active duty service here to Syracuse University. And, you know, to be honest with you, I had everything going for me. I had a job before I before I got out. I The military had sent me off to, you know, to school while I was in active duty to get a Ph.D. And um, all that said, you know, when I reflect back on that time, when I when I got out, I was I was pretty lost. Um, and I, and I say that because I had never, I, I had never had, I had never had a professional experience outside of the military. And, and here I was, um, you know, now, uh, in my, in my first civilian job, if you will. And, um, you know, I realized very quickly, um, that I, that I was missing a connection to service and, I was almost grieving for the the fact that um, I didn't feel connected to a community. I didn't feel connected to, you know, as I said, something, what motivated me to join the first place, something bigger than myself. And I really think in retrospect, the reason I started, uh, you know, I didn't come to Syracuse to, to create a Veterans Institute. I create, I came to Syracuse to be, you know, a college professor. But I think the reason I started doing work in the veterans community um, was, uh, you know, arguably um, selfish. And I say that only to, to mean that I was looking for something um, to, to connect to in a, in a personal way and something that had um, greater meaning for me than maybe what I did day to day relative to my job. Yeah. And it's, you know, so we can, let's, let's start talking about IVMF cause that's, um, that, like I said, it's one of the uh, it's very well respected institution inside the veteran space, especially when it, especially in the uh, education space. Can you talk a bit um, about for people who are unfamiliar with it, sort of what it is and sort of how it was uh, conceived? Sure. So the Institute for Veterans and Military Families here at Syracuse was was actually um, born now six years ago. It it actually started um, almost as an accident, and and I say that. Um, because when I got to Syracuse and um, uh, took on a role as an entrepreneurship professor here, um, shortly after I arrived, I, I had an idea to create a program in the business school designed to provide training and entrepreneurship to traumatically wounded service members um, that that maybe m- might face barriers to traditional employment, but they could create a vocation for themselves around entrepreneurship. And, and we called that program the Entrepreneurship Bootcamp for Veterans with Disabilities. And, and we, we launched that in 2007, and it was just really just going to be my summer hobby, something I did uh, um, because I thought it was the right thing to do. And, you know, luckily I had support from the dean of the business school at the time. But uh, what, what happened, however, was that, that program was much more impactful, you know, to all of those involved than than I think anybody anticipated, and you know, 
we expanded that program to other universities around the country, and then we launched a, another program for uh, military family members, again, around, around self-employment and business ownership. But where this took us was about six years ago to a place where we realized that nowhere in higher education was there a, a purposeful focus on the social economic wellness concerns of the nation's veterans and their families. So we proposed um, to this university to create an academic institute whose sole mission and purpose um, is are the concerns of the nation's veterans and their families. And um, we were lucky that we found support for creating that institute. And you know, today the institute is a team of almost 100 full-time folks who uh, we we do the things that you stereotypically think of an academic institute. We do research and policy analysis, and but what makes the institute I think unique is that we also do direct service delivery to veterans and their families on a very large scale. Um, you know, last year about 25,000 um, transitioning service members and veterans went through programs that are run by the IVMF, and these programs. Um, range uh, from the, the business ownership kinds of programs that that I described earlier through um, credentialing, licensing, skills training programs that we run on military installations, um, honestly, all over the globe. So um, since the Institute was created, you know, we've put about 90,000 total um, uh, through this portfolio of programs. Everything we do for veterans is without any cost whatsoever. So our our economic model is we go out and raise the money privately to design, deliver um, uh, the, our our programming to veterans and military family members without any cost to them. So it, it's been uh, it's been an entrepreneurial journey, uh, um, building and, and growing the IVMF, and um, we have a a, a lot more to do. Um, you know, as and, and as the, the IVMF was growing, we, we had a change in leadership here at, at Syracuse University. And, you know, our, our new chancellor who arrived four years ago um, made a, a essentially a, a parallel goal for um, the entire university, and that is that Syracuse University as an institution um, would would lead the way in higher education with regard to serving veterans and their families, and you know we've in, increased the enrollment of of uh, what we call military connected students, either either our student veterans or or our, our active duty military from just four years ago uh, yeah, about 200 to today just over 1,200, um, and and we've been challenged to. To, to grow that number each and every year for the next five years. And, and matter of fact, uh, you know, as we're having this conversation just a few hours ago, um, we announced a, you know, a, a historic gift to the university um, to, to fund the construction of something we're called, calling the National Veterans Resource Complex, a standalone facility here at Syracuse, whose only mission will be um, to, to serve the, the nation's veterans and their families. So it's, a, an ex- it's an exciting time up here to be doing this work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you, has IVMF fostered any, um, any, any veteran entrepreneurs that have gone on to uh, launch businesses that maybe we may be familiar with? 
Uh, uh, well, so a great many. Um, you know, we we have put over the course of the um, over the course of the the past decade since we first started the EBV program. Um, you know, we we've now graduated thousands of folks through um, our our various veteran business ownership programs, our EBV program, our EBV uh, for families program. Um, one of my favorite programs we run is a program called VWISE, Veteran Women Igniting the Spirit of Entrepreneurship, and that is a that is a program specifically for women veterans who um, are interested in in pursuing business ownership. We've had um, we've had graduates of our program on Shark Tank. Uh, we've um, we've had uh, graduates of our program featured on on 60 Minutes. So there is uh, there is a quite a long history of successful entrepreneurs coming out of these programs. Very cool. Uh, and one more question on entrepreneurship before I, I get to the to the wrap up questions. Um, I'm curious about franchise ownership. Do you find veterans showing any interest in in that, or, or is it a lot of of unique uh, or you know their own business ideas? Yeah, it's a great question about franchises. We we do. Um, there is a significant draw to franchise opportunities uh, among veterans, and I think part of part of that is that you know when you buying when you buy a franchise, what you're buying is a process. You're buying you know, what we used to call in the military, the, the continuity book, if you will. This is how you, um, this is how you run the business. And um, for, for some veterans, there's a lot of appeal to that, to that model. Um, but on the other hand, what, what you don't get when you pursue a franchise is the autonomy, you know, to turn a, a personal interest or a passion into a, into a vocation. Because, you know, the, the, the franchise, by its definition, by its very nature, is about um, doing the, the the same thing that every other, you know, you, we go to McDonald's uh, because every McDonald's we go into, um, we know what to expect. And, you know, for many veterans, um, candidly, they're, they're tired of following somebody else's recipe. They're tired of taking orders and, and business ownership, um, outside a franchise model affords them the opportunity to really, again, craft a vocation for themselves that in a way that is unique to them. Um, so it really is a, it's a person dependent, um, you know, situation. If, if uh, for some people a franchise um, is a very compelling way to get into business ownership, but, you know, for those that are looking to, um, you know, really Build from a, a personal passion or an interest or an idea. Um, uh, the franchise model makes it tough to exercise that kind of um, independence. Yeah, um, and then a question about education from your perspective and what, or what you know for veterans that have exhausted their GI Bill benefits but are looking to pursue more higher education. I think, and I think the the most common scenario for this is exhausted the GI Bill, GI Bill benefits, getting a bachelor's, and are, want to pursue a graduate degree, what resources may be available to them, or where should they start looking to possibly fund that, uh, that endeavor? Yeah, it's a tough situation. I mean, certainly um, certainly there's debt, and, you know, that, that could, but however, that, that's something that if you're going to, you know, look at student loans, et cetera, you should think very hard about and understand what it means when you take on that kind of personal debt. 
Um, for me, one of the things I recommend to folks, the, the, um, the, the generosity of Americans relative to, to this generation of veterans is actually quite extraordinary. And, and if you're willing to take the time and, and spend the time to, to do some research and, and looking for grant and scholarship programs that are available for veterans from private foundations, um, focused on on higher education. There's actually an awful lot out there, and um, with with a little work and 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 time on the internet digging, um, it's it's quite possible to piece together a financial plan for yourself, um, leveraging some of those those uh, private foundation um, grants and and gift opportunities to at at, at worst case. Um, mitigate some of the debt that you might have to take on via via student loans, and in and in some cases, fully fund those opportunities. Yeah. Uh, last last two questions to, to to wrap this up. Quick uh, quick questions. Um, tell me, give me a skill set or experience that you had in the military that's contributing to your success today. I think it's program management. You know, one of the things I learned in the military, um, you know, both in my core career field, you know, then my, my, some of my special duty assignments was um, really how to, how to manage an enterprise and, and be able to, to sort through lots of, lots of data and, and uh, manage to navigate a complex organization um, to, to efficiently and effectively do my job every day. And I would, you know, put the label program management on that, on that, on that skill set. But I think it's something that, um, the, uh, you know, almost every, everyone who has served in the military, almost regardless of, of the, the role they held really does learn how to become an effective program manager. Tell me about a veteran or a veteran organization that you're familiar with other than the, the, um, uh, IVMF that, that has you excited about what they're doing right now. Sure. Um, I'll, I think the person I'd point to is, uh, is a friend of mine, a guy named Mike Irwin, Mike, uh, Mike, Mike Irwin founded. Yeah. yeah. Team and, and Blue. Yeah, so, yep. So Mike founded RWB, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm thrilled and impressed with what he's doing now with something called the positivity project. And, and he's working inside of, uh, you know, elementary schools and middle schools and high schools, um, you know, helping, uh, helping those students really um, develop a way to, to think about the world and their place in it and that is that is framed in um, positive psychology and this idea of, of, of thinking positively about um, you know those, those around you and those that you interact with and and I think given you know given all that's going on in the world and you know d- divided politics and and all of those things, we need a little more positivity, so I, I commend Mike for what he's doing. I'm really impressed with it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great, Mike. Uh, I I've unfortunately never met him, but I only ever hear great things about him. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah that, good guy, real good guy. All right, Mr. Haney, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you know, IVMF, like I said, is, is an institution in the veteran space, one that's well-respected. So really happy to hear about your leadership up there. Thank you for your service to our country and your continued service to veterans over there at Syracuse University. Well, thanks so much. I enjoyed the conversation. We grew up together. 
We believed in something bigger than ourselves. The military took me to one side of the world and her to the other. And even though she was always the strong one, when we caught up years later, I found out she had fallen on some hard times. It was her call to make, but doing it together made all the difference. For veterans who are homeless or on the brink of homelessness, call 877-424-3838. IVMF is doing, uh, you can go to the website ivmf.syracuse.edu. That's ivmf.syracuse.edu. And just to remind you, that Facebook event tomorrow, February 15 at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, facebook.com slash military family is where that Facebook Live event will occur, telling you about the Forever GI Bill and how it impacts VA's education benefits. Today's Medal of Honor citation reading is for William Morin, United States Navy, Boatswain's Mate, Second Class, on the USS Marblehead, the Spanish-American Conflict. The Year of Honor is 1898. Citation reads, On board the USS Marblehead, at the approaches to Caminera, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, 26 and 27 July 1898, displaying heroism, Morin took part in the perilous work of sweeping for and disabling 27 contact mines during this period. We honor his service. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. That wraps up this episode. Big thanks to Mike Caney for joining me, talking to us about entrepreneurship, veterans in higher education, and much more. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DEPT Vet Affairs for more stories from our community. Find us in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so we can grow this podcast and reach more audience and share these powerful veteran stories. Appreciate your time. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. 